Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us and God is in our truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Out of the Day with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Good morning and welcome to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA. Here to uh, here I am. <laughs> I just lost my train of thought. Just that quick, ain't that? <laughs> here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation. Promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming. I have to laugh sometimes because I mean, you know, I it's is that is that age I don't know, <laughs> but uh, is our goal here? Is our job? Is our responsibility here? Every every time we're on the air to empower you, our listeners, to knowing, being, doing, and impacting the world around you. And we love for you always to join us on this illuminating journey. Several ways you can do that. The primary way is by calling and getting your thoughts online, uh, live on the air, and that is three four seven two three seven five two three zero. That is the number to call if you want to get your commentary or dialogue live on the air. Also, uh, the chat room is up and running, so you can go to Block Talk Radio today and uh, enter the chat room. You can do that. Um, you can hit us up on our Facebook page, uh, the Zero Network on Facebook. That's a wonderful place, and you can catch up on archive shows, share your dialogue and thoughts about the topic for the day or past topics. You can do that. Also, follow us on Twitter, at Zira Radio, and you can follow me personally on my personal Twitter, at Prophesy. Also, send me an email if you want to get further dialogue or you have some other suggestions for the show. It's at PastorLorenzoNeal at gmail.com. Um, what I miss? Wherever you are, we try to be, and we are here. This is another day that the Lord has made, and we're just glad to be on the air one more Time, I tell you. Um, It's a wonderful Wednesday here in the great state of Mississippi, in the great city of Jackson. And I'm just excited to be in the land of the living one more time. Yes, it is a great day. And we have a wonderful topic, too, we're going to talk about. Um, In the bottom hour, we'll be talking about the Lifetime reality television show Preach that features four women uh, preachers. uh, prophetesses, as they are called, and um, they're the women that they are mentoring as protégés, and the relationship between them, and of course, you know, being a reality show, you know, you know how it is. So we're asking the question: Well, is that giving a skewed perspective 
of women in ministry and um I love to hear your thoughts and we've already talked about women on in ministry on this show before uh but this this uh television show hadn't come out and it's very very interesting I watched it and I'll share my thoughts regarding the show um later on in the broadcast but I'd also love to hear your show and uh, we got a couple other topics that we're going to talk about as soon as we come we go to the Lord in prayer so let's do that now Father, we thank you for grace and mercy. We thank you for loving kindness and compassions that fail not. But I knew every morning, thank you for your faithfulness to us. Now, God, as we go forth into the rest of this broadcast, let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be found acceptable in your sight. Lord, our rock and our redeemer. We thank you. Amen. Well, uh, I'm still, there's so much going on. I'm still kind of. Reeling over the last week of news that I've heard, um, particular, particularly there are uh, several headlines. Uh, the Duggar family is still in the headlines. Um, and then just recently we had um, uh, one of the Robertson members, family members, Jace, a Robertson family member, Having been sexually abused or something to that nature, um, so that that was a you know a blockbuster reveal. Uh, the ongoing thing with the Duggar family, Josh Duggar and the Duggar family, and how his sisters, of whom he touched inappropriately, uh, have said that they have forgiven him, and the world should forgive him. Of course, the question isn't really about forgiveness. When it comes to issues of um, uh, inappropriate um, touching or sexual misconduct with children, and in many states there is a uh, there is a uh, statute of limitations uh, as to where they could be prosecuted, but there is no statute of limitations regarding civil actions. But when talking about criminal activity and criminal actions, there is a statute of limitations. And it's very clear that while his father tried his best to um, – and and some people would argue uh, – Pastor Jeffers down in Dallas argues that he has been restored uh, because he now has a wonderful family of his own. But still, it goes back to accountability. You know, Even though this was before they were on the air, the question is why wasn't that carried out in a criminal way? And, and I know the church has a – Policy and you know they have their own um, man, means. Uh, Duggar family had their own means of carrying out what they felt was justice, uh, having him apologize, having him go to therapy and things of that nature. Uh, had it been someone else, had it not been that family, and I know uh, I know it was well intentioned, but had it been uh, someone uh, less resources, I doubt very seriously if they would have uh, allowed. That uh, that person to as you know be um, spanked on the hand in so many words. So that's been an interesting development. And I'm, um, even though the Duggars show has been canceled uh, or uh, is in this last season, um, they have still they still have many supporters who will look after them, follow them, and what may be off of a secular network will go onto a Christian network. I'm quite sure. <laughs> catering to that uh that particular um uh group but either way you know it it still raises the question is we are, we are still we wrestle as a church as the church universal we still wrestle with these things and uh and you know keeping them secret under the rug kind of thing is 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 not helping the church um but at the same time public shame once it comes to light, once it's revealed, is not helping the church either. So either way, the church has to be more proactive when it comes to uh, our children, anything regarding the integrity of the church. We have to be proactive. If we're not proactive, then it's plain and simple. You know, when these things come out, um, it causes a, a, quite, a great deal of embarrassment and fans to feel, uh, provides more fuel to the flame. Uh, for those who leave, 
uh, not just the church, but the Christian faith. And speaking on that, I, I, I was just reading today of another pastor who has committed suicide. And it is a sad thing uh, when I hear news, like or read of news, I hear news like this because pastoring never gets easy. It never gets any easier, and uh, it's quite easy. I know from my own personal experience, it's quite easy to get into those moments where you just feel defeated. I had one of those moments this past weekend, and it wasn't anything nice. And you need, you know, you wonder. But a, a pastor and a former state president of a Baptist association—I'm not going to say the state or uh, uh, the association. Uh, but the pastor's name is uh, Phil Lindenberger, I think. It's Lineberger or Lindenberger, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, uh, he was wrestling and struggling with depression. And he, um, at the age of 69, committed suicide. This, he's 69 years old and committed suicide. He took a medical leave uh, from the church and in order to seek help and Apparently, uh, he is, you know, he's, I guess he didn't feel the, the help was uh, was good enough, and he took his own life. And the family spokesperson said that um, he had been wrestling with this, uh, uh, with depression for a number of years. He recent, he had uh, recently buried uh, or eulogized a pastor friend of his who had also committed suicide. And in his eulogy, he mentioned how difficult it is to minister and and um things of the nature and talked about suicide and and lo and behold just a few years later he succumbs to the same thing and the stats are there um when it comes to pastors uh, those who are working in ministry and um self care the stats are there i wish i had them in front of me but there are quite a few you can just probably google stats of pastoral depression i've done the workshops for churches uh, I've done the workshops on depression for pastors, and my my thing was, you know, it was always a small number who showed up, um, as if uh, as if this was not a an important issue, and um, I I think it is, you know, as one who has struggled with that with depression, I've never. Uh, not recently, I think as a kid, I may have considered suicide. You know, every most kids go through that phase, whatever. It's even worse nowadays for those who children who are young adults, or children and young adults, teenagers who are struggling in various areas of where they're getting bullied, uh, maybe gender identity issues and things of that nature. They're different, and because they're different, they get bullied. But anyway, um, the statistics are growing regarding pastors and their lack of self-care and uh, community care. Uh, those are two vital areas for pastors when it comes to ministry. Self-care is important, being able to look after yourself. I'm, I'm trying to get better at that myself. And, and I, you know, I know I sound so serious right now because I really am serious. It's a difficult thing to uh, manage one's care. And when you're talking about being a pastor and you're managing to care for others and they expect you to do more than what you're capable of doing, you know, the job description doesn't say, you know, the job description says you may visit the sick and, you know, all of this stuff, but, uh, you know, visiting the sick is a little bit more than just going to a hospital room and saying hello and saying I'm praying for you. Though, uh, a real caregiver, a real shepherd, really gets uh, in deep with their care, you know, and feels the pain of the people, and that pain sometimes transfers, gets transferred to them, and they're unable to carry it. But um, I said all of that to say the fact that this pastor, 69 years old, you know, in the twilight of his years, still, uh saw suicide as the only means of of um getting out of his his strain says a lot it says a lot now i haven't lost hope um you know i haven't lost hope but there are a lot who have lost hope 
And uh, while many may not make the news, it's quite a few things that that need to be done. And here, <laughs> I just thought about this. You know, I, 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 when I think about pastoring, you know, you know, pastors have churches have boards, and most boards are elected by the people. And if you're in a Baptist church or you know a congregational style church, where it's autonomous, and so the people elect their leadership. Or if you're an ecclesiastical style church like mine, you know, Episcopal style church uh, like mine, where uh, the pastor appoints and the people elect, you know, there's there's that uh, that wonderful synocrity there. Well, uh, it's a little bit easier because you know when I elect, when I appoint persons to my board of stewards, you know, I'm, I get to decide who I want. But working with them isn't always easy as a board, you know, and I'm not talking about my board. My I have a great board of stewards. I have a great board of trustees. I have wonderful people on my leadership team. I cannot ask for anybody greater. Um, but there are some churches where <laughs> the leadership team of the church and the pastor are always at odds, and they never get together. It's not like the board of World Changers Church International where Crestle Dollar is the pastor, and they said, well, our pastor wants a plane. We're going to get him a plane. <laughs> a lot of churches don't function like that. A lot of churches battle their pastor. They pastors have to war against the spirit and against the flesh, and that you know that wears on a person uh, emotionally, spiritually, and uh, of course, uh, um, when it comes to their soul and their 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 mind, mentally, yes, it wears on. So I I can understand the pressures of ministry. My pressures, my pressures of ministry are not like those of a mega church pastor or a pastor with just a few members. It's not the same. Every church is individual, and every church is different. The stress level for pastors are different. But what remains is the fact that that pastor is hoping to minister to those people in the midst of what they're experiencing. I have a friend right now who is experiencing some very troubling emotional uh, issues, very troubling emotional issues. And um, it's all but cut cut off themselves to uh, persons of, of who, would, who would be helping them. They, it's really bad. It's really bad. And the only thing as a friend I could do is just stand back because they're not willing to re- receive anything from anyone right now. And it's it's a very dangerous thing to be in that place. But anyway, pray for the family of of Pastor Phil Lineberger or Lineberger, however you say it, his church family, and those uh, others like him who may be struggling in that area. We don't we don't know, but God knows, and so we just you know it's one of those things you just have to keep your head up, and you know for those of you who are members. You're not in the ministry. Pray for your pastor. Pray for your church leadership. Pray for those who are in ministry. Last week, I had the opportunity to meet with a pastor um, uh, in Pakistan, from Pakistan, who's in the, here in the States visiting. Of course, you, if you're not aware, uh, we planted the church, my church planted a church in um, the Punjab plant, uh, province of um Pakistan last year, and the church is growing and wonderful. The, the Lord is really blessing. And many of those persons who are convin- uh, converting are converting from Islam. They're converting from Islam to Christianity. And they're doing so at the risk of death. But I met with uh, Pastor Rashid um, from, uh, from Lahore in Pakistan. He and his church, uh, Logos Ministries, I believe that's the name. But he, he shared with me some of the dangers he and his uh, his local ministry faces and the churches that he oversees and he does. He does a great job there. But um, because a lot of those persons convert from Islam, they um, they lose their jobs. Some lose their homes. Some lose uh, their very, very existence because uh you know Pakistan is a, is a Muslim country and they are greatly discriminated against and when when I was hearing some of the stories 
that he was sharing. And also the ones that my pastor shares, uh, my pastor or the plant there. I I I frown upon Western uh, American evangelical Christianity because, you know, we say we're being persecuted when we can't say what we want to say. But these persons uh, in countries such as um, India, Pakistan, um, of course, Syria right now, Syria is the most persecuted. Syria and Egypt face the greatest persecution in uh, um, in the world right now. The Philippines, where you have Christians there, and uh, Egypt, uh, Nigeria, Kenya, and uh, some places, some other places in the Congo, um, and other places in the world where there is great persecution in Syria. You know, they're they're not just they're not just um, forcing Christians out of their homes and out of their churches, but they're killing them. And uh, we shared last week about this guy who said he killed Christians and now he's a convert. So. Um, I said all of that to say that we need, you know, we need to be concerned concerned about the care of those who care for the church. Um, oh yeah, I'm gonna read this story, then I'm gonna take a break. In uh, I think I might have time to talk about. Uh, yeah, I, I will have time to talk about that. But um, so um. Rick Warren, uh, if you're familiar with Rick Warren, you everybody should be by now, you know, <laughs> author of um oh god, what's the name of that book? <laughs> uh Purpose Driven Life, Purpose Driven Church. Yeah, he's the author of that book, those books and many many other things that he's written and the things he's really famous for. He one time he was known as America's pastor. Uh, he pastors a Saddleback Church somewhere in California. I can't think of the city uh, off top. But uh, apparently every year he and his church launch a uh, a funding campaign, a stewardship campaign, like most churches. You know, we got projects we want to do. So we launch a campaign to, to raise the money. So this year they launched a campaign, a stewardship campaign to raise Seventy million dollars. You heard me right. Seventy million dollars. Uh, now, at first, when I first read this, I was about to go off because you know we're fresh off the trail of uh, not even fresh, but you know, Creflo Dollar asking for sixty-five million dollars for a plane, and here his uh, Rick Warren and his church announces that they hope to raise seventy million dollars. And I was like, where is the outcry? And then I actually realized, oh, they're raising $70 million because they actually do something with the $70 million. They don't just keep it there. They support so much. You know, I went through and read what they actually do with the money. And it's amazing to me. They do projects across the world that we're not even aware of, not just funding missionaries or sending missionaries out, but they are literally undergirding a lot of support ministries for nations. And it's an amazing thing when I read what they actually do. And, you know, you can actually go and see the fact, you know, they do the financial accounting. So you can actually see that they account for pennies, you know. And the good thing, I, I guess what makes it different is that Rick Warren does not draw a salary from that church, uh, which is, <laughs> hey, that's, it is what it is for him, you know. He draws, he lives mostly off residuals from, you know, book sales and other whatever else. However, he has his own income that is separate from the church and is enough for him to live very comfortably, very, very, very comfortably. So he doesn't put a strain on the church for his upkeep, salary and upkeep, which is a good thing, which makes people more liable to give, more likable to give. And uh, support the things that are actually happening. Happening, and um, because because that's happening, you know, he can do just about anything he wants and get away with it because they're actually doing stuff. So people are less likely to be critical about that. Um, and it's organic. It's organic stewardship. 
in that he's not begging anyone. Uh, he's not. This is not a pledge drive, you know, like the Christian televisions, you know, ministries usually do pledge drive. It's not a pledge drive. Well, I guess it is in a such in a, in a way because every every stewardship drive is a pledge drive in some way. You know, people well, may say they're going to give something and may not follow through with it, but either way. The results will be the same if, based on um, the reports from 2011, 12, um, and 4, 13 um, that I was able to view, um, it's looking like it's going to be something great. So maybe one day I get to that level. Look, I'm gonna take a break, and when we come back, we're gonna couple, we're gonna talk about this <laughs> this reality show called Preach. It features four women prophetesses, and um, uh, y'all already know I'm going to try to be gentle as I can. I can't guarantee, <laughs> but uh, I just share my thoughts, and you can share your thoughts if you want to, 347-237-5230. That's the number to call. So, uh, we're going to be back after this break. This is the Quicksilver Cashback Card from Capital One. It's not the juggle a bunch of rotating categories card. It's not the sign up for rewards each quarter card. It's the no games, no messing around, no earning limit having. Do I look like I'm joking? Turbo boosting heavyweight Kevin of the world! Cashback card. This is the Quicksilver Cashback Card from Capital One. Unlimited 1.5% cashback on every purchase everywhere, every damn day. Now tell me, what's in your wallet? Hey, what are you doing today? I'm backing up the computer. Photos, work files, you name it. Lovely. See you in a few hours. Hmm. Did you get everything backed up? Took care of it. For just $59.99 a year, Carbonite backs up your irreplaceable files automatically, so you don't have to. Try it for free at Carbonite.com. At Farmers, we make you smarter about insurance because what you don't know can hurt you. What if you didn't know that posting your travel plans online may attract burglars? Talk to Hawaii. What if you didn't know that as the price of gold rises, so should the coverage on your jewelry? Ah. What if you didn't know that kitty litter can help you out of a slippery situation? The more you know, the better you can plan for what's ahead. Talk to Farmers and get smarter about your insurance. We are Farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Friends, there's nothing as soothing as having a sweet aroma penetrate all of your senses. Peacock, the newest candle fragrance by Heatcentric, is that aroma. Peacock is a vegan hand-poured candle that fills the room with a soothing aroma that everyone is guaranteed to enjoy. Peacock by Heatcentric is the fragrance developed by Lady Jocelyn Sanders that's designed to reflect the glory in everyday life. I guarantee you will not disappoint it when you order your candle today from Heatcentric. I have one at home and in my office, and I tell you, it's so good. It helps me relax at home, and it helps me concentrate and stay on task in the office. You need to order yours today by visiting LadySanders.com, and while there, also pick up a copy of her book, The Encounter. I'm telling you, you will love both. Peacock by Heatcentric, reflecting the glory in everyday life. Right, welcome back to Zero Today. I am your host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. And um I hope you've enjoyed the show so far. I've enjoyed talking and I I know I'm you know, I'm usually a bit jovial, 
Uh, but I had to be serious about that. Uh, the the first segment, and uh, and I, I hope it was a blessing. I hope it hope it was something. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, bottom of the hour. Uh, one more headline before I get into this. I just I just came across this uh, AP news report. Uh, apparently, I'm a couple of days behind, but uh, according to this most recent AP report, abortion is down across the nation. And I know here in the state of Mississippi is down largely due to legislation. Is um, abortion is a little bit harder to come by here in the state. There's only one abortion clinic left here in the state, and it's uh, not even a mile away from my church. But uh, uh, across the board, states um, um, abortion has declined, and there's several factors in that. And I know those pro-lifers are there yelling, they're screaming, they're shouting hallelujah, whatever it may be. But, uh, you know, I'm, it ain't, it's a good thing. It's good news. And I, I made the post, to, I shared the post to my Facebook page. Um, so if you want to read the AP article, you can go there to my Facebook page um, and read the article and I'll share it. Um, other, um, I'll tweet it out also. Um, but here's the thing, you know, I when we're talking about abortion, we, you know, you're talking mostly about um, access to services. And now more women, uh, according to the AP report, they're able to see their child before they, you know, before they walk into an abortion clinic. They're able to see a sonogram. They're able to see that this is an organism, and they're less likely, after seeing such, you know, they see the picture. They see that, you know, they can see the baby sucking the thumb. I saw one of my friends. <laughs> My friend and her husband are expecting their firstborn, and the child had the thumbs up, literally. I mean, the baby was giving the thumbs like thumbs up, like, yeah, I'm here, I'm good, as if they knew, as if the child knew uh, that they were being looked at. And, you know, and that's just at uh, four or five months, I believe. Well, I don't know. They're, they're, they're quite a few long. I think at least six months, I think that's where they are. But um, it's good news to know that the, that abortions are down. It's even good, better news to know that you know teen pregnancy is down. So uh, it's good news across the board. And whether that whether the church has something to do with it or not, it's just good news. So, so celebrate something. That's what I'm celebrating today. I just thought I'd share that with you. But on to the real topic of discussion today. The real topic of discussion. <laughs> Oh, boy. The real topic of discussion today is the Lifetime reality television show, Preach. And um, Preach is about four female uh, ministers who are prophetesses. The names of the persons are um, uh, Belinda Scott, Takeda Williams, Kelly Cruz, Linda Rourke, yeah, those are four, and they have four, um, they have four young ladies that they are training to be in the prophetic ministry as prophetesses. And I don't have their names, but you can go to Lifetime. Uh, I'm sure you can go to their website and get more information about the show. I did watch the first episode. I did not watch. Uh, I did not watch it live Friday. I I caught it on demand. On uh, I don't know maybe that Saturday or Sunday. Only because I saw the I saw the preview for the next show, and uh, I was like, okay, let me see what this. Is. I, you know, I saw the I saw the promos uh, for the last several weeks, and I was like, okay, you know, it's. This it's, it was out there. You have um, these group of ladies who have assembled themselves as prophetesses for this particular region, uh, led by Belinda Scott. Belinda Scott is the the leader of the group. In the opening session, she um. She says that she gathered the other three together for a deliverance service because there needed to be a deliverance service for 
this area and that those women who they were training, their protégés needed to be exposed to a deliverance service so they could learn what to do in a deliverance service. Um, and uh, Scott went on record on air saying that she is the only major prophet or prophetess in her region. I don't know what that means. I and I I have no idea how she was able to determine that she was the only major prophet or prophetess in her region and uh because we don't know what her region is, you know. Uh <laughs> I don't know how she came about that. The Lord revealed that to her. I don't know why the Lord would reveal that to her, but um or why she seems to believe that. Now, before I get, I don't want it to turn into a uh, a match against someone else. Um, so, uh, I'm just going to leave it at that. Uh, Takeda Williams is, um, I, I'm familiar with her, and I've, I've I've known of her for some years. I that's the only one that I'm really familiar with. Um, I've followed her. Well, I'm with Facebook friends. Uh, um, at least I think I'm on. <laughs> I know, but I've I've been acquainted, well, familiar with her ministry for some years now, and uh, I know that the sister can preach. I, I can say that she can preach. I, I've I've heard her preach. I've seen her preach. So, um, now she says people say that she is the Beyonce. Of gospel ministry, and I don't know why anyone would want to compare themselves to a secular individual. Uh, usually, they try to, you know. Usually, if you really want to be super spiritual, you would compare yourself to someone in the Bible. You know, like they say, he is the Paul of uh, the church world today, or she is the Ruth, or the Deborah, or you know, <laughs> the Anna, or somebody, you know. Of the Bible, but now apparently is is you know is uh, is cool to be compared to someone in the secular world, and uh, another artist is catching slack for that. Um, what's the one of the ladies from Mary Mary? I, I, this has nothing to do with the, the television show, but I, I just read where she's collaborating with a secular artist. I can't remember which one. Maybe you guys know. Um, one of these guys, one one of those sisters from the Mary Mary duo. Uh, it's either it's Tina or Erica. I can't. I don't know which one. Uh, but apparently, uh, she's teaming up with a singer, K somebody, K Michelle. Um, I just I just ran across that. K Michelle. She's teaming up with K Michelle for a single. Now I don't know if it's an album, but I know it's definitely a single, and so she's catching slack for that. But anyway, that that's neither here nor there. But to be compared to compare yourself or allow someone to compare you to a secular person, uh, <laughs> a very out there secular person, that's like be saying that's like saying she, she might as well say I'm the Kim Kardashian of, <laughs> of the church. But anyway, uh, during the promos, um, Takeda is the one who has seen. Um, Rather on the rhombaxious, rhombaxious side, uh, if I said that right, she is seen chest bumping a man under the you know under the anointing. She chest bumps him and he falls. Uh, <laughs> and a lot of people just from that that uh, five second clip of her chest bumping a man, even if that was long, was that long, uh, they were they went after her. Um, and then the other two are wifey. Those two are black. The other two are white. Kelly Cruz and Linda Rourke. Linda Rourke apparently is uh, she has a reputation for preaching like black people. That's her reputation. She's white, but she preaches like black people. And uh, so anyway, those are, those are the ladies who are the part of the cast. Of this reality television show. 
I'm and I'm 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 gonna be honest with you, you know. Um, with preachers of LA and with the preachers of Detroit, with the Mans and with the uh Ben Tankards show and Mary Mary show and you have uh what's the other group? Uh, the Braxtons, their show. All of them are Christians. All of these uh and the the Duggars. The Duggars <laughs> Uh, the Robertsons, a uh, duck, a uh, duck commander, a duck dynasty. All of these are Christians. Every last one of them, every last one of these shows, are supposedly Christian shows. And every last, with the exception of the Robertsons, uh, the duck dynasty show, which is scripted to be a comedy, more more comedy than reality, you know, drama. Uh, the drama that they have is comedic. It's in, intentionally comedic. Uh, but the other shows, I, I have not watched The Man, so I cannot talk about their reality. Well, I watched one episode, and that was – it seemed to be comedy-driven also. But but they have a reputation for comedy, you know, so it's not, it's not far-fetched that their reality series would be uh, similar, something like a comedy sketch. You know, their life would be comedy. Um, but the other shows, the Preachers of L.A., the Preachers of Detroit, uh, the Braxtons, the um, Mary Mary Show, are dramas. They're all dramas. I found this same thing in the, the Preach. It's drama. You have conflict created intentionally in the show. For example, in the very first uh, segment of the show, where Dr. Uh, uh, Pastor Scott calls the women in, you know, all the women make their interests interests in, and you know, and as one comes in, they tell out who they are, and you know, give that background. But uh, Takeda Williams is intentionally late, or is late, and the drama goes right there from the beginning with Scott even saying that you know she's always late or something to that nature. So there that that. <laughs> <laughs> that gives you the idea of who is going to have the tension in the show. The tension is apparently going to be between Scott and Williams. It's already obvious. Okay. Then you have a secondary tension between um, Scott's husband and Rourke. And Scott's husband, Belinda Scott's husband, is the pastor of the church. And, you know, he makes cameos in the first on the first show and he he expresses you also hear him saying look the last time y'all were together it was drama why is that why did that even have to come out in the first show the first show you're already saying okay the season is going to be uh all the rest of the shows are going to contain drama and yes they're going to be preaching and yes they're going to be laying hands but this is not a show about laying hands. This is really not a show about prophesying. This is a show about drama. And the last thing that we need as a church is more drama. That's what TNT is for. You watch drama, watch TNT. <laughs> That's what they say. They say their their station is all about drama. <laughs> so these two, these that there's drama, there's conflict already there. And then there's further conflict with the protégés. You see a tertiary conflict, drama between Takeda Williams and her protégé, a young woman who has three children, um, and uh, she, you know, desires to be like Takeda Williams. She desires, she expresses that desire, and she wants to be a prophetess. And in one scene during the show, um, she she uh, expresses her 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 sadness. I guess that's the word. You know, she has four children, but only lives only has custody of three, and laments the fact that she has not seen one of her children in four years. And in an effort to be sympathetic, it definitely wasn't empathetic, but sympathetic. Takeda was like as a mother, 
and a wife, you know, I understand. I couldn't imagine not seeing your daughter, you know, a child, my child in four years. And, and, and you know, that tries, there's the insincerity in that that comes across. You know, it's like, okay, I'm just going to try my best to be, <laughs> to to try to sympathize with you. And then there's further tension uh, because uh, at the deliverance service, you know, Takeda, who should be in the spirit, is looking at her protege and realizing that her protege seems to be a bit overwhelmed by what is happening during the deliverance service. And during the deliverance service, um, she, Takeda Williams, takes her handkerchief or whatever, and she, you know, the, she says, even my sweat is adorned, and takes that and and rubs that on and rubs that on um her protege transferring her anointing to her protege and i understand where that comes from because some people um there's scripture where paul was uh ill and people were coming and taking clothes or patches of clothes off paul and using it and people you know they were putting on other people and people were getting healed according to the narrative uh, and that has come to be known as the transference of anointing. Anointing, so you can transfer your anointing from from one person to another person via cloth, via you know, and uh, prayer handkerchiefs. <laughs> That's what the old the old televangelists used to do. You know, send my money and you send me some money, and I'm going to send you this anointed prayer cloth. <laughs> but. <laughs> So it, it and and in that in the same in that same in the same show she later says I can't deal with this drama you got to make up your mind you you either go make me all for me or all for yourself or something to something to that nature um, and I had a problem with that you know like look woman you you don't determine let me preface this by me being as a, I'm on the board of examiners for our our church. Which means that I'm uh, responsible for those who enter ministry to help them with their schooling, to help them, understand, you know, get the basic fundamentals of Methodist polity down and things of the nature. Even uh, those who are under me in my ministry, you know, I do not, I do not put high demands on them to cater to me um, as their pastor, as their, you know. Their trainer, their mentor. No, my role is to help them grow in ministry, to prepare them for the path that they believe God has called them to in ministry, not for them to learn how to be like me. And I think this part of, part of the show is that's what's distorting. You know, you have these women uh, advocating themselves, uh, advocating that other women in ministry should be like them. Um, there's a scene where um, Scott's protege is in the bedroom of her mansion, and she's expressing how you know how hard it is to balance her life, and the tension between her mother, who is a Muslim, and her now being a Christian, and she pressure all over and takes her through some strange. I don't even know what to call it, ritual, in her bedroom, by the way. Not in the church sanctuary, not in a sacred place, but in her bedroom. That's questionable in and of itself. But that's, I digress. Um, it, it's, it's just for me, as a pastor who endorses women in ministry, I have nothing against women in ministry. Never, that I can recall, I never have. Uh. I have a problem with this idea of these women condescending other women to make them feel superior. And also the idea uh, that they're being exploited in the process. I don't like the fact that these women are being exploited. I don't like the fact – it can matter, care, I care less the fact that they – whether – you know, I don't question their call. I'm not God. I can't question the call. But I can't question intentions, motives. 
And that's what I'm. That's the problem I'm having. You know, you're doing a reality show. You're exposing yourself to the world. The world is not hearing you preach because they're not going to put that on the air. But they are going to put their drama. They are going to put your uh, failures, your fallibilities on the air. They are going to content, you know, contest you as an individual. You know, it is not about the gospel being spread. No, that's it's. That's not what this show is designed for. Why they signed up for it, I don't know. And I, I, I have to say, if someone approached me about doing a reality television show, I may get excited with the idea of doing a reality television show. I ain't going to lie. I get excited. Somebody thought about me enough to say, hey, you could do your own show. You know, maybe you could have your own reality show. Um, But at the same time, I have to question say okay what would be my motive what would be you know what would be the expense of me doing the show not just the consequences but the expense yes i may get a greater ex- exposure uh may afterwards get a you know more demand speaker you know become more in demand as a speaker but the reality is is that i'm doing more damage to the church when people see how valuable I am, they put me on this pedestal, and even at the local level. Uh, I think, I just think that is doing much more damage to women in ministry. You're talking about a patriarchal church, a church that is pretty much dominated by men. And when you do things that you do and it's public, you know, women are going to adore you. Women are going to, they're going to say, you are, you you know, some women are going to say, I, you know, she's an amazing woman, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. They did that with um, Bishop uh, was um, from B- Preachers of Detroit. They were lauding her at first. Same, uh, the two ladies, preachers, they were lauding them at first. And then when they actually saw the show, they weren't lauding them. They They weren't. And my concern is that, you know, women may, these women may feel lauded by their prodigies, but it's it's not helping those women in ministry at all. You know, it's really, it's really not helping bring their cause to light, especially when you're making declarations about who you are and what people should expect from you just because of who you are. I I have a major problem with that. I have a major problem with that because of the fact is that if you are going to be a woman in ministry, just like a man in ministry, you need to walk humbly. If you're going to walk humbly, you would turn away <laughs> from exploiting yourself, exposing yourself to greater fiery darts from the enemy, if that's the case. But some people like the exploitation. You can't stop that. The women who are protégés are clearly seeking, uh, you know, to uh, some form of acceptance, and they don't even realize that they're being exploited by the, their mentors. It's going to make for good television. The editors of the of the show will not put in all the good moments between the mentor and the prodigy protégé. They're not going to do that. They're going to focus on the drama between the cast because they've already shown that's what they intend to do. And I believe it's tainting the image of women in ministry. And and it's creating a greater gap, a greater gender gap. And I hate to say that, but it really is. Uh, I don't have a solution for it. I was trying to think, what is the solution? I don't have a solution. I can't think of a solution because a solution to me would be <laughs> like, no, no church, no pastor should ever want to do anything when it comes to secular. You know, we like to, you know, I can understand collaborating sometimes because sometimes secular persons have more access to more resources than we, we do as as pastors. And we need to be aware when we, even when we're partnering, we need to be aware. We just have to be cautious. 
That's the real thing, you know. We can't just join forces just to join forces. I have to catch myself every now and then when I get around a celebrity, <laughs> you know, be it local or even, you know, national prominence. I have to watch for that all, you know. Oh, look, I'm with such and such. And I don't mind taking pictures. Uh, I recently had the opportunity to meet a very uh, influential uh, nationally known celebrity. And I got a picture, and I was going to post that picture on Facebook and just brag, you know, just to say, you know, bet this person and, you know, snap the picture. And I didn't. As a matter of fact, several occasions that I've been with persons who are considered celebrities, both in the church and outside in the secular world, and I have not shared. You know, like I share with my friends and family, say, hey, look, I got a picture with this person. Uh, there's no real connection. It's just the fact that, you know, we have connect, connected some way. It's nothing, you know, nothing deep and meaningful. It's, you know, like every other, you know, I'm not a groupie or anything, but hey, I think shows like this, I think shows like this and others um, do a great injustice. Why will we watch? We will watch because we like drama. Why? Uh, from what I understand, Lifetime ordered six episodes. So they're going to see how the ratings are for the first one, which was pretty good, I'm sure. Uh, I don't know what that Friday like Friday night time slot is like. As as we go into the summer, maybe it is. But um, they did order six shows, so you know there'll be at least six episodes, unless there's a great cry from the church to like with what the black community did with that uh, sorority sisters television show. There was a great outcry and fraternity uh, sorority members raised out their voices and said, no, this is not us. We don't want them to portray us in this in this manner because it's not what it's about. And the church has not done that. They didn't do it with preachers of L.A. They didn't do it with preachers of Detroit. They didn't do it. Uh, they have not done it with any of the other shows where the church has been per- uh, portrayed in a very, very uh, negative manner. And they won't do it because, again, it's benefiting those who are participating. You know, they're getting paid. Deidre Haddon got paid. Noel Jones got paid. Um, uh, Charles Ellis, who is the presiding bishop of the P, uh, Pentecostal Assemblies of the World, he got paid. But he almost lost his position because they were about to call for an election to, <laughs> to get him out because of his affiliation with the show. We... As a church, we either going to cry out for righteousness or not. If we're not going to cry out for righteousness, then we need to just blend in like everybody else. But if we are going to be crying out for, for righteousness, we need to do it consistently. We need to make sure that our voice is a singular voice, not a diluted voice. And that's part of the problem that we have. That's why shows like this can get on the air. Because of the diluted voice, the fractured voice, the non-tempered voice of the church, uh, we have issues that we are we see differently on, and are not willing to are not willing to collaborate, uh, you know, compromise in so many ways, so many words. The issue right now with uh, Dr. Tony Campolo. And his view of uh, same-sex marriage and what he's putting forth as the view of the entire church. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, I'm running out of time. I've run out of time, and uh, i got to get out of here. I just hope that you um, – if you have any other thoughts regarding this, I'd love to hear from you in the chat room. Um, I didn't – nobody was in the chat room today. Yeah, I'm so sad. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but you could always, you know, if you didn't get your thoughts on, on in the chat room, if you didn't call, um, send this in the email, pastorlorenzoneal at gmail.com. Go to the Facebook page, uh, uh, Zero Network on Facebook, and, and share your thoughts about the show here. 
there. But you can also listen to the archive show, and you may want to be able to, on the show page, you can leave your comments there. Uh, visit LorenzoTNeal.com and share some your thoughts there if you like to do that also. But um, I'm going to follow the show. I'm going to watch it. The next five episodes, I'm going to watch if I can, um, just to see. Uh, what the, you know, well, I already know it's going to be drama. That's neither here nor there. But I ain't going to lie. I'm going to watch because <laughs> I just want to see how far they'll let it go before, you know, they decided whether to keep it or let it go. And uh, whether the church, you know, if it's successful, then guess what? You'll see more like it. But that's neither here nor there. But here, I got to get out of here. This is Pastor Linda Neal. Thank you for joining. Thank you for listening. We appreciate everyone, all of you. Tune in next week as the Lord enables us to do another show, and we'll be back. God bless you. God keep you.